0: Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher.
1: Hello and welcome to the teacher and the preacher. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I am so thankful to have my radio partner, Harold Berman, uh, for this program, The Teacher and the Preacher. Every week we start off by saying, I'm the preacher, Dave Magiera.
2: And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And you're listening to Dave broadcast out of Boise, but I'm sitting here in Afrat, south of Jerusalem, in Israel, 9,000 miles away. That's one of the things that I think makes this show unique. You have an Orthodox Jew in Israel, an evangelical a Christian pastor in Idaho, 9,000 miles apart, uh, obviously theologically uh, in different places. And every week we get together, we talk about anything and everything. Uh, we celebrate what we have in common, and we're also not afraid to uh, look at uh, where the differences are as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. So we get a chance to talk about This season that we find ourselves in, now most Christians aren't really connected to the Jewish calendar by any means, but we always use this program to try to help connect many of our listeners to the Jewish roots of Christianity, because the early church for sure observed these feasts and festivals, and they're still being observed to this day. And why is that? Because when God gave these to the Jewish people— He said, these are to be a lasting ordinance. And so for the Christian who's tuned in today, we get a chance to go back and revisit our roots. And for any of our Jewish listeners who may be tuned in today, we get a chance to really underscore and embrace this very, very special day of this time of the season.
2: Absolutely. So we're gonna talk about, uh, this week, we're gonna talk about the holiday of Rosh Hashanah which is, uh, I would say, the second holiest day on the Jewish calendar. Uh, it's, uh, it's in the Torah. It's in the Bible. And next week we'll be talking about Yom Kippur, which is 10 days later, which is actually considered, the, the, uh, it's called in the Torah the Sabbath of Sabbaths. It's the holiest day. Uh, and then we're going to talk specifically this uh, week after we talk a little bit about what Rosh Hashanah is, uh, about a psalm that is read actually for a period of 40 days throughout the season uh, around Rosh Hashanah, uh, which is Psalm 27, and just what that means in terms of uh, its lessons for faith and how that connects to the holiday. So, Rosh Hashanah, just uh, this is, uh, um, you know, Rosh Hashanah 101 uh, <laughs> primer. So, in, it's actually not called Rosh Hashanah specifically in the Torah. So I'll get to why it's called that today in a second. It's called Yom Teruah, the day of blasts, which means the shofar blasts. And uh, I'm sure people have seen on TV, on the internet, uh, uh, either a video or a picture of somebody blowing a shofar. That is really the symbol of the day. And uh, it actually commands us uh, in in the Torah, commands the Jews uh, to blow the shofar on that day, as well as other times as well. So how does it become the new year? Uh, It's actually, if you look in the Torah, it says that it happens the first day of the seventh month. Now, uh, Judaism goes on a lunar calendar. It's not uh, the Gregorian calendar, January, February, March. Uh, It has uh, other names. And the seventh month is, uh, which is called Tishrei, Uh, the first month is uh, the month of Nisan. That's the month Uh, the exodus from Egypt. That's where it all begins in terms of Jewish time. Uh, But the seventh month, why would that also be considered a new year? Well, uh, the number seven, of course, has great significance in the Bible. Uh, It always relates to holiness. Uh, Shabbat is on the seventh day, and that's the time we kind of step back, and we recognize, we step back from creation, and we recognize the creator. So Rosh Hashanah, or the seventh month that Rosh Hashanah begins, is the same thing. It's it's this month of these holidays starting with Rosh Hashanah, where we actually stand back and recognize the Creator, and that's really what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Uh, incidentally, um, in Jewish time, it's not 2018 as per the Gregorian calendar. The Jewish year uh, started quite a bit earlier than that, so we will be entering, starting Rosh Hashanah, the year 5,779. Uh, which is considered the time from creation, uh, but actually in Jewish thought, it's from the creation of humanity. And if you look at what scholars say about when civilizations actually started, it's, it's not far off. Yeah.
1: This is an interesting time of year. So one of the things you and I have talked about at various times across our programming, we've talked about the fact that this marks the new year, and there's actually more than one new year on Correct. the... Jewish calendar. So, what is what is it that sets this particular new year apart?
2: Well, uh, you know, as I said, it's it's really about the creation or or the the birth uh, birthday, if you will, of humanity. So it's it's in the seventh month. That was what might it totally makes sense. Uh, you know, it's the this is where recognizing, as I said, God as the creator. So th- while the exodus from egypt that happens in the first month uh you know that that uh, first month the beginning of that first month nisan is a new year but that's really a new year in terms of uh the jews coming out of egypt having the covenant uh at mount sinai that is really as i said the beginning of jewish time this is really although it's a jewish holiday it, it, it has a much more universal aspect it's it's really about, uh, you know, God is not just the, uh, the king over the Jews, but the king over all humanity, and uh, the Jews feel obligated by the Torah to, uh, if if you will, metaphorically, crown God as king uh, on Rosh Hashanah. So it's a, not only
1: a new year, but it's also a, a day of judgment. As you mentioned earlier, it's a, a day of the shofar being blown. Correct. And once again, this is such a good reminder for us because— it's a day of judgment where really people are going to be examining their lives for for sin and they've got these days leading then up to yom kippur to really make peace with those who who they may have broken relationships with or some hurts over or whatever and it's it's that opportunity to begin to come to terms with our sinfulness and as Micah says, uh, he will turn again and he'll have compassion on us, and he'll subdue our iniquities and cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. So it's it's a really significant time, and I think a really healthy time when we take inventory and take a look at what what are the issues and areas of our life where we we may have sin that marks us, and uh, we need to come to terms with that. So I think this is such a good thing. So how how did Psalms 27 get connected to this particular Holy Day?
2: Well, so, so that's a really interesting question. So first of all, we start reading at the month before uh, Rosh Hashanah, and what's called the month of Elul, and th- this is sort of the, um, the, the getting ready time for Rosh Hashanah. This is the whole month, it's a time for introspection to really prepare uh, spiritually uh, and emotionally. So it's read starting at the beginning of the month of Elul. By the way, the the shofar is blown at morning services every day throughout the month. It's it's really a, a preparation, as I said, for for Rosh Hashanah, and then it continues uh, through Yom Kippur, and then and then the next holiday, which we'll be getting to in a show in a few weeks, uh, Sukkot, which actually has a uh, a relationship to Christians as well, but it, it's actually uh, a total of 40 days, which obviously is significant uh, in a number of places in the Bible, that we read this psalm. And um, it, what I thought is we might go through it, Dave. Uh, I, I'll read a line in Hebrew, and you'll read it in English. I think it's important to read the Hebrew. We can hear this is the language uh, King David wrote it in. And uh, even if you don't know Hebrew, there's a, there's a poetry and a rhythm uh, to it that I think comes through. But I, I think uh, it will it'll be apparent to people just some of the amazing themes here of faith, of just recognizing God as the only reality, which is really uh, then what, what Rosh Hashanah is about.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a powerful and wonderful
2: psalm. So should we go for it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so Le David?
1: A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men close in on me to devour my flesh. It is they, my enemies and foes, who stumble and fall. Should an army besiege me, my heart would not fear. Should war break out against me, still I would be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, Only this do I
2: seek.
1: To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life.
2: To gaze on the
1: beauty of the Lord and worship in his temple. For he will keep me safe in his pavilion on the day of trouble. He will hide me under the cover of his tent, and he will set me high upon a rock. Now my head is high above my enemies who surround me. I will sacrifice in his tent and with shouts of joy. I will sing and chant praises to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious and answer me. On your behalf, my heart says, Seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I
2: seek.
1: Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away from me in anger. You have been my help. (inaudible) Do not reject or forsake me, God, my Savior. (inaudible) Were my father and my mother to forsake me, the Lord would take me in. Teach me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my oppressors. Do not abandon me to the will of my foes, for false witnesses have risen against me breathing
2: violence.
1: Were it not for my faith, that I shall see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in the Lord, be strong and of good courage, and hope in the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's such a good psalm.
2: It is in, in two languages. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. I love. I love hearing the Hebrew.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's there's uh, as I said, there's a rhythm to it, and it's it's also it's what uh, what King David wrote it in. So, uh, point out something just right from the start, and actually, you, you get this uh, both in the Hebrew, and you can get this in translation. Uh, after that, if you take out that just that opening uh, a Psalm of David, you know where it actually starts. It, it starts with uh, the word the Lord, and then if you go to the end, you know the Lord is my light and my salvation. And then if you go to the very end. It ends with and hope in the Lord. So it, it literally frames the psalm. you know God starts. God, God is the beginning, God is the end. you know, it's, 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 it, there's a there's a message I think subtly in there that you know God God is all and that's really what what the whole psalm is about.
1: Yeah, I love that. you know the fact that the Lord can be our light, the one who shows away in the darkness, the Lord who is my salvation, who creates a sense of security and and it eliminates the fear, right?
2: Uh, absolutely, and, and and I think again, and, and this is where it does really tie to Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh Hashanah we're we're recognizing uh, that you know it's it's all about God, it's just about God, that God is really the only reality, and that's that's the psalm, the, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? You know, basically, you know, recognize that that God is it. You know, what 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 else matters? And you know, even evil men close in to devour my flesh. You know, should an army besiege me, uh, but but it's like, but but God is there. It's like this is this is the real reality, and and it's a message I think for all of us today because we we all have we're we're uh, we have things that assail us from every direction, uh, just getting through the day, and it's very easy to fall prey to the idea that you know that that's that that's reality, uh. But but it's not.
1: Yeah, the reality is that we live in a chaotic mess of this world, and it includes painful seasons of doubt, times of fear. Uh, The storms can rage and the winds can blow and make you feel alone and you crave this safe place. And I think David, you know, goes back and forth in this psalm kind of remembering the past when the Lord delivered him. And uh, I love the way that it kind of starts out here, that he starts out with such a positive emphasis that the contrast between the light and the darkness and the strength and weakness, they're evident in what he's recognizing about his own life and the faithfulness of God in the midst of us, so I'm reminded of some of the other scriptures when I re- read this verse that uh, the, in in the Lord there is no darkness whatsoever.
2: Right there's um, uh, there there was a, a great Jewish sage of the just the last century, Menachem uh, Schneerson, uh, called the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, some people may be familiar. I know Dave, you are with with Chabad. He he was really the the head of the movement and uh you know he, he talked about that everything and this really applies to this idea everything uh is that's is from god is real and enduring and every negative thing it's simply that it's a void waiting to uh, be dispelled and he talked about you know we commonly equate evil with good and darkness with light and he said you know the darkness, no matter how ominous and intimidating, it's just the absence of light. And that's why you just have a little bit of light and it can banish a room full of darkness. And because he says that the light is real and the darkness isn't.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting thing that there's 40 days, 40 days this is going right. to be read. Any particular meaning for why so many days? Is that because uh, during the the season of Elul, that's that's what uh, marks the, the the time period.
2: I, I mean, it's certainly it's what marks the time period, but it, it you know it's not an accident that that's what marks the time period. You begin the month of Elul and you get to where the where the Torah, where the Bible says, uh, you know, the end of Sukkot is, uh, you know, the, or the eighth day of assembly actually uh, after Sukkot. And it's it's forty days. It's uh, as I, as we we talked about earlier. You know the number seven obviously has a significance. So different numbers have significance. Forty, uh, I think one of the things forty often stands for uh, in the Bible. It's it's about transformation. Uh, certainly that applies to uh, Moses. It applies to the Jewish people. Uh, to Elijah, it you know in the New Testament it applies to Jesus. But you know this idea of forty. It's always a period of transformation of you know going from one thing to another and 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 that's really in the jewish calendar what this period is about it's you know uh transformational yeah starting Mm -hmm. from wherever you were and and not not only transforming but you know not just transforming to anything but really becoming who you're supposed to be who you're meant to be that you may not have realized you know when you started that journey 40 days ago yeah
1: I think one of the things when I think about this particular psalm in in light of David's life, you know, this guy spends a fairly large segment of his life running, running for his life, hiding, yeah. finding shelter, and, and the only helper many times as you read through the Scriptures and the story of David's life, God God's his only helper at the time, you know. And one of the things that I hear him saying in this psalm is that the Lord— is not only my my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I, I think he's declaring that the Lord is such a strong shelter that I can I can run into Him. I I find Him to be a real help in in, in times of trouble, and right. I I think that you know David's faith got put to the test, and I'm sure there were times he had to wonder. Well, all right, listen. What what is it that I have done that's brought this on me, or what is it that you're wanting to say to me that you couldn't say to me outside of this situation? Because <laughs> I'd like to learn it and get on.
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You know, one of the, uh, to me, one of the most powerful, I mean, it's a powerful psalm from beginning to end, but one of the most powerful lines, it's almost stark. It's, it comes toward the end, you know, on, on this theme, you know, uh, where, my, you know, where he, he looks only to God, you know, my father and mother to forsake me, the Lord would gather me in, you know, that even, even if my parents, you know, gave up on me, you know, that, and and there, there, that happens in real life, you know, you have people as sadly, tragically, who have, um, you know, whatever issues with their parents, uh, where there's a dysfunctional situation, and, and sometimes God is, is, um, is the only thing that keeps them going.
1: Yeah, you know, he has a, a really good passion because as you underscore that, he, he kind of walks through this psalm helping helping us see that there are these times that his faith is tested when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumble right. and fell and though a host would camp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. And what is he confident? That I believe that God is going to give me the desire of my heart, which is that I could seek after and dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, right?
2: Right. You know, the, the next I mean as you're saying that the, the next to last um, you know part of the psalm Uh, were it not for my faith that I should see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Um, Now, many English translations cap that off with a period, um, you know, as if it's a a complete sentence, but the way the Hebrew reads the sense of the Hebrew it's, it it would really have like you know dot 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 after it you know mm-hmm. were it not for my faith that I shall see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living you know like I can't even finish the sentence like it's it's unthinkable <laughs> that uh you know what would happen if I didn't have this faith that I would see you know God's goodness
1: uh, you know one of the things I think people love they, they love the Psalms and they love uh being able to say yes, that's exactly what I really do feel in my heart. I just didn't have the words. So as they read through the right. Psalms and particularly you know from David's perspective on so many of them, and they go, yes, I, that's what I identify with. and, and that's what I love about uh, the Psalms is I can read this and it, it speaks it speaks the language of my heart. So uh, when, when uh, if, if my father and mother were to forsake me, the Lord is going to get a hold of me. The Lord is still going to have a grip on me. He's going to help me, and because of my enemies, uh, I hear Him saying, "You're able to teach me uh, the the path that you want me to walk in." Because I'm I'm leaning heavily on you. You're you're my helper, and I I, I can't I can't figure out which way to go unless you're directing my life.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I, I think there's also you know there, there's an idea um, in Judaism and I, you know in, in uh, not only in Judaism uh, that you know when we give power uh, over to other things uh, in our lives that um, you know not only are we we not making a place for God but it, in that sense it, it's almost a form of idolatry because now it's it's this thing that controls me it's this thing it's this bad thing that happened to me that I answer to uh, you know we, and that that becomes the focus of our uh, you know, uh, of, of who we are as opposed to God becoming the focus.
1: So, Harold, when uh, when this holiday is being observed and, and you're leading up to it, and getting ready for it, is there much conversation about Psalms 27 there uh, at a local synagogue or with a group of guys that you get together with? Or is it mainly, you know, uh, some of the other aspects of the, of the holy day? Um,
2: well, kind of yes and yes. Uh, it's it's read uh, actually. Well, in, in Judaism, as, as you know, it's there's uh, for traditional traditionally there's uh, three services a day: morning, uh, um, afternoon, evening. So it's read at the end of the morning service. Uh, I mean, everybody reads it. Uh, it's not just read by somebody up in front. I mean, everybody personally reads it uh, at the end of the morning service every single day, and which is followed by the shofar sounding. Uh, which is really very much a wake-up call, a spiritual wake-up call, uh, and then it's also read again uh, at the end of the evening service. So it really like starts and begins the mm. day. So it's very much present uh, throughout the whole time. Uh, but it's uh, obviously it's not the only thing. Uh, but it's it, it's definitely a. It, it's designed. I think the reason the the Jewish sages long ago put it there uh, as part of this tradition uh, is because it does help. Uh, orient you to what this is all supposed to be about, and and you know where you're supposed to be focusing during this time.
1: I'll tell you, the shofar has played such a key role in the history of the Jews. It is uh, it is something to hear that shofar blast, and there, it, it 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 creates a sense of awakening. It it sounds an alarm, or it sounds a, a clarion call to something, you know and uh some of the greatest shofar uh players in the world are are these uh these israelis who just know how to get the noise out of that ram's it's horn true. you know it is amazing <laughs> and you know it can raise the hair on the back of your neck when you hear some of these people who just know how to make that noise come out it's it's amazing
2: it's it's very primal i mean and i i, I would say to my our, our listeners. Uh, Go to YouTube because I, I think if you just look up, you know, Shofar blast" or something like that, you'll uh, you'll hear it. But put it through like good stereo speakers uh, to, to to get the full effect. Uh, but you know, in the in in, in the Bible, the uh, the shofar is used in a few ways. But I think as it relates to Rosh Hashanah, you know, the shofar is used in a few places where kings are coronated, uh, kings of Israel. So that very much fits the theme of the day, because uh, there's this idea of uh, recognizing God as king over the universe of, uh, in in effect, coronating God. So it it fits with that. The other time uh, often, or one of the other times that it's often used is, uh, as you said, a clarion call, it's a sound to battle, uh, you know, call to battle. So that aspect is there as well, because it's a time that you look into themselves, and you're 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 battling uh, in a very real way against your, uh, let's say, less good inclinations and and the things that that hold you back from you know who you're supposed to be. So it's it's very much a, a call to a reality in both of those senses.
1: This has been such a good conversation this week about this subject of uh, Rosh Hashanah. I want to encourage our listeners to do some homework, and if you're not familiar with it, uh, there's no shortage of information out there about it, especially go to the Scripture. Look in the book of Leviticus. It's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, thing that's mapped out there in the Scriptures. And Harold, thanks again for your your input and uh, helping us understand how Psalms 27 is a key player in this particular holiday, and it's going to be good for us to walk through these special holy days together. So uh, until next week, uh, check us out on our Facebook page, The Teacher and Preacher. Go to our website, theteacherandpreacher.com. Take a minute and write us an email at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Harold and I would love to hear from you. If you go to our website, theteacherandpreacher.com, it's a simple way you can stand by us and donate to keep us on the radio, and you'll receive a tax-deductible statement for anything that you give. So, Harold, until next week, may the God of Israel watch over you and Israel and the Jewish people, and may this same God bless America.
2: Amen.
0: The Teacher and the Preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact The Teacher and the Preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom.